Can I say we'll give it up? Joey Gutos, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Brian. Do it, did I say that right, Gutos? Yep, perfect. I was wondering, uh, it, it sounds Greek to me. Is it Greek? <laughs> Uh, it's Lithuanian actually, but really? it was chopped up at Ellis Island. So oh. it, it originally, I think was like Stavskis. Whoa. Yeah. So they're like, no, not going to happen. <laughs> Sorry. We're gonna, you are now Gutos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think about that though, you know, like all those, you know, people that, that came to Ellis Island and they said their last name and the guy's like, Hey man, you know. Trying to get to work here. What's your last yeah. name? You know, Williams. How's that? How's that? So you can trace all the way back to Ellis Island. Yeah, apparently. I don't know how that's that was done, you know, yeah. but I it wasn't like one of those uh, Ancestry.com type things. It was you not? Know? No. Okay. No. So that, that stayed with my, because it really wasn't that long ago. I think it was my great-grandparents on my dad's side okay. that, that came over. So, nice. Yeah, it wasn't like. 300 years ago or something right yeah. right do, do you speak any lithuanian no unfortunately man i would love to my grandpa used to always like jokingly like if he kind of fake got upset about something and he'd like start speaking in like lithuanian to me and like it always just cracked me up man but, but you're a native of tempe yeah singer songwriter yes uh I recently saw you. Uh, we did the <laughs> we did the thirsty camel shift. Yeah, I like to start with some early musical memories. Uh, you know, like music what, that was inspiring to you as a kid, and what kind of you know got you hooked on it, and and how you got to the guitar, and and uh, and then we'll go from there. Well, um, is there a record that you remember hearing as a kid, thinking, "Oh, this is cool. What's this?" or something on the radio? Yeah, I so <clears throat> I grew up listening to the Stones, the Beatles, um, Tom Petty, the Kinks, and you know some classical music. My dad was a big classical guy, so Beethoven, Mozart, Tchaikovsky, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, very rooted in rock and roll and kind of these big dramatic, symphonic, mm. melodic things. Mm -hmm always kind of dancing in the background. Um, and I would say like around, well, like through elementary school, I started getting into the, everything that the kids were into, which was like the radio Disney and, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. just kind of the, um, you know, bubblegum pop stuff. Sure. And, you know, even looking back now, after there's been enough time to where, you know, I could distance myself from it. It's like, oh, there's some cool stuff back then, you know, yeah. even though it was packaged in this plasticky, cellophane-y sounding We'll talk about like writing with a purpose, like writing to a demographic, like those were perfectly crafted for your age, yeah, for you that you, like you were the target, and they met the mark, you yeah know? it's it's still even if you don't appreciate the music now, it still is impressive to think somebody came up with this, yeah, and you ate it hook line and sinker, yeah, and I appreciate the hell out of that because I can't I mean, I've been trying to challenge myself recently to actually kind of write to a preconceived idea mm. like even people that write from a title that you know impresses me because mm. i have a hard time just being like okay i have to write within this scope construct or whatever yeah the yeah. boundaries are already set or whatever exactly so especially when the boundaries have to be even more narrow for something uh -huh. like a kid song that's still you know i was listening to like the uh 
you know, the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and stuff like that, that still carried through with a lot of people into their teens and mm-hmm. adult years, which I think NSYNC is touring again, which oh, is, God. yeah, they're making like more music. Really? Uh, yeah, I think so. Damn. I think they just put out a new song. You'd think that JT would be like, nah, I'm good. I know. I'm pretty good. I well, I, he's probably good, but he's, I would imagine he's just like maybe bored. It's like, oh, man, interesting. This, this would be kind of fun. Like, fuck it. Nostalgic for him, maybe. Yeah. All right, well, let's not get too far ahead, though, Joey. we got to stay on track with let's this early track. stuff. So, you know, Beatles, Rolling Stones, is that all basically your folks' record collection? Or, yeah. like, when do you find your, like, this is my music, like, beyond the Disney stuff? Like, yeah. when does that kind of register? That was about six, no, 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 I'm sorry. Maybe, like, fifth grade. Um, two things. Saw School of Rock. The movie. With Jack Black. With Jack Black. Okay. And right around that same time, and it might have even been before that, because I think this was what initially sparked my interest, maybe to go see something like School of Rock, mm-hmm. um, was I heard Led Zeppelin's Black Dog on the radio mm. on 100.7, of course. Come on. And uh, yeah, was on the way to Blockbuster with my dad to get that Friday night movie. And Whoa, you remember where you were. Oh, yeah. In the car with your pops, going to get a going to Blockbuster. Yep, and the white Dodge Grand Caravan, and uh, oh. sitting in the back seat, and I just put my hands up on both front seats. I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Mama said the way you move gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove. guitar riff that got me but i didn't realize well maybe i realized it but i was like i i love everything going on here mm-hmm. so i want to do something with this and so i told my parents i you know wanted an instrument wasn't sure what it was so they uh they got me like a really cheap uh, electronic drum pad used for like 20 bucks from a garage sale they got me a jaco pastorius cd to try you know listening to bass and then I already had plenty of guitar records, so it was just like, right. okay. Um, and yeah, I just I gravitated towards guitar. They got me like one of those little tiny mini guitars yeah. from Guitar Center. It's probably like, you know, 50 bucks or something. And just started without like having any sense of direction, just picking it up and trying to make sounds with it. And I'd like play with my thumb on the fretboard because uh-huh. I didn't know how to do it, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then once I did that enough, they're like, okay. Let's looks, get you some lessons. Yeah. Or, yeah. What an incredible way to discourage a kid to play bass. <laughs> Give him a Jocko record. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to pick up a bass and rip some of these riffs. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have to be pretty out of your mind to think, oh, it sounds easy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Give me that bass. Let me show you. Yeah. Let me show you what's up. <laughs> Well, that's cool. So they, they kind of just threw a bunch of stuff against the wall to see what would stick. Yeah. And you didn't do, so you weren't like invested as a kid in the sense that you were, you're like singing in, in the, in the choir or, you know, the band, uh, school band or anything like that. No, I, I actually tried 
<laughs> starting my own like boy band in second grade, you know, Whoa. thinking that, oh, I just get four guys together and do some dance moves. Yeah. Bust them out and actually did a, a, um, what do you call it? Choreographed dance of NSYNC's Bye 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 for sure. the uh, talent show that summer. Okay. And um, right yeah. before the event was coming up, we were practicing all week. Um, all of everyone dropped out because oh. they just cold feet, cold feet, and, literally uh, and figuratively. Yeah, and so I had one badass kid zone was the name of the daycare uh, kid zone staff member who was kind of helping us do it all. She's like, "You got to do it, bro. Don't be a bitch, bro." <laughs> <laughs> so you did it like Napoleon Dynamite style, just you, dude. Yeah. They're, my parents they they Tell misplaced the video. video. It is on video. They misplaced it. I don't know where it is, but it's it's somewhere. We're gonna have to find that. Yeah, yeah. My I think my goal is to do enough podcasts and mention this enough times, and then just give it to my mom. And be like, here's your motivation. Yeah. The world is waiting. The universe. You're putting it out there. Yes. Mom, find the VHS. Yep. I love it. So all right. So you get this guitar. You're kind of fumbling your way through it. And when do you start taking lessons? Well, actually, I think um, my my best friend at the time, his brother was getting into guitar pretty heavily, and he was getting pretty good. Uh, and he kind of started showing me a few things whenever I'd go over to the house. He showed me UltimateGuitar.com, which was mm. game changer, mm -hmm. you know? Cause That's I'd, tabs, right? Yeah, tabs. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I could, you know, you just look at it and it makes sense. Right. When you look at a, a piece of music, oh, yeah. staff, it oh, does, you have to that. learn the language. Right. So the tabs made it super easy to start getting into, start breaking my fingers in. Um, so that I, I would say I had a, maybe a year or two to start on my own yeah. with the direction of various people. And then um, started searching out a music teacher, had a few that just, they were too technical mm. right off the bat, you mm. know, and I'm like a little kid. Right. I'm not interested in like the, the intricacies the and the theory and right. everything. Like, right. Which I later would definitely be, you know, yeah. but not at age. No, seven you just want to be whatever. able to play something that's cool. Yeah. Right? I mean, something easy. Let's play Country Road or whatever it's going to be. Mm -hmm. Couple chords, you know the melody, let's do that and then we'll move on to the next thing. But yeah. not like, don't break shit down for me. Yeah. You know? Not this early. No. Yeah. So uh, eventually found a great teacher. His name's Bob Hermes. Uh, I don't know how my parents found him initially. I think he had like a local ad or something like that. But best thing never happened to me musically, besides my parents, obviously, with all their encouragement. Mm -hmm. um, and he he helped me not only to grow my love for guitar, but also start thinking about, okay, what is it like to be a singer? What mm. is it like to write songs? He would help me record. Uh, he had a DAW at the time called Cakewalk. Mm-hmm. And, um, he was able to get me that software and I started recording on my own at home mm -hmm. and yeah, just fell in love with the whole process. Um, so yeah, that was like kind of, I think seventh through eighth grade was with him and then high school kind of branched off and started doing my own thing. And so, so singing wasn't a part of the initial plan. Mm -hmm. It kind of came later where you found your voice and like, Oh, did you connect with the specific singer? Like, were you like, Oh, I can sing that. I want to learn that on guitar as well. Like, what was that process like? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I don't know um, off the top of my head if there was a particular singer. Because, I mean, you know, Zeppelin was my favorite, but you can't emulate plants. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's 
he was a tough one. I would say maybe some Beatles stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I could sing along to it. Yeah. But I initially didn't want to be a singer. I kind of thought it was lame. But I think deep down it was just because I didn't think I had a good voice. Mm-hmm. And it was also, you're very vulnerable when you're just singing, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You need to hide behind something. Yeah. Whether the drum kit or a guitar or the keys or whatever. Yeah. You didn't just want to be a singer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, with my guitar teacher, along with my dad kind of pushing me, like, just like, go for it, man. Like hmm. you've got a good voice, just work on it. Um, huh. yeah, I kind of started trying it out. And did you do like the high school band thing or was it just outside of that? No, it was I was like a separate thing from school. This it, is a different hobby. This is not connected. Yeah. I, uh, I was more, I mean, I did sports at school, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, also kind of the thought of doing anything extracurricular besides sports was kind of a foreign concept to me. Um, looking back, even immediately after high school, I was like, damn, I wish I would have done band or something, you know, but, um, yeah, just, it never really clicked with me that that should be something that I should do. So did you do like, like, uh, garage bands, like rock bands as they put, put bands together in, in high school, or was it simply like you with a guitar in your room practicing shedding? Mainly that, but, uh, I did have a couple friends that I put together band with that, um, best friend whose brother had taught mm-hmm. me some guitar stuff. Uh, him and my other friend and I had started like quote unquote band towards the end of eighth grade and we also did a talent show um and we wrote like a song and then did a cover of just what i needed by the cars oh whoa um as a trio as a trio yeah that's a that's aggressive i don't mind you coming here wasting all my time because when you're standing oh so near i kind of lose my mind aggressive it, it turned out really well except um another thing actually now that you mention it or now that i'm thinking about it that did make me want to start singing um was that night when i was doing the i was the backup vocalist and lead guitarist um and you know just ripping the solo just playing it great on the guitar but when it came time for the backing vocals, I was so afraid of and you know of being vulnerable and having my voice sound too wimpy or whatever. Uh, I was like, you know, I guess you're just what I just what I needed. And I tried to make it sound all like, you know, <laughs> gutsy funny. and shit. Yeah. And um, that one's definitely on video too. I gotta hunt that one down. And I got so much shit from everybody afterwards. In the band, right? Yeah. No. Oh, and ev- in the crowd. Really? All of our friends came out. Yeah. Jesus. Critical yeah. people. Yeah. They Dude, they ripped me a, a new one. Give me a break. <laughs> I'm playing the cars as a trio. Give me a, cut me some slack. Yep. Yep. So I got a ton of shit for that. And I was like, all right, I'm going to show you motherfuckers. I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm going to become a singer. So <laughs> started slowly, you know, behind the scenes working on that, uh-huh. building up the courage. 
to one day do it. Did you uh, did you do a college? Yeah, I went to ASU. I actually went for business though. Okay. So, yeah, I um, had a entrepreneurship and marketing teacher in high school who had a direct relationship with the WP Carey School of Business at ASU, Great. where if you you know aced both of her classes um, and you know got decent enough scores on whatever the SATs and stuff like that. Uh, you pretty much surefire for WP Carey. Great. So I figured even back then I was like, okay, marketing, it at least seems like you can be creative with some things, even in the scope of it being more business. And, mm -hmm. um, I, I never wanted, I never liked the idea of like going into a corporation or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, but it seemed like a, it could be something to start with, you know? And was the thought, um, that it wasn't an option to be a full-time musician at that point? Like I had no idea you could do it to mm -hmm. be honest. Yeah. It makes I, sense. I mean, yeah. At I, that stage, who do you know that's doing it? A and B where, where am I going to do it? C do, how do I stack up against the thousands of other kids that are trying to do it? You know, like it, it is one of those weird things that, that you're like, I start to second guess it, you know, like, mm -hmm. can I make it, you know? Yeah. I, but like, even beyond, it, it was either, okay, I'm either going to be a, a music teacher, which I didn't want to do. Right. Um, or I was going to be a massive star. And the only way to do that is just to twist a fate or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's no in between. And mm -hmm. I didn't know right, about exactly. any of it because I didn't do anything. Right. Um, so you weren't gigging even part-time professionally during high school or, or in college it was just a hobby still yeah i had one uh it was like one of the last days of senior year of high school do you remember the record store uh hoodlums and it sounds familiar i've only been here for 20 years okay I, that name sounds familiar it wasn't downtown was it this was in tempe do you know oh. where changing hands the bookstore yeah, is? yeah 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 right next door okay so, is that still there? No. Changing Hands? Yeah, long ago. Oh, oh, oh. no. Changing Hands is. But okay. This, Hoodlums is not there. Correct. Okay. Um, great record store, though. I used to go there every Saturday morning and, um, you know, sift through the used CD collection. They'd have like 2 and $3 CDs. And, mm -hmm. May um, I ask what year this is, roughly, just so I can... So it's like uh, 20, uh, 2011, because that's when I graduated high school. 2011. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, so that year, um, they were doing kind of like a little showcase thing, uh, in the back of hoodlums and I, you know, I'd established myself there for a long time, awkward freaking <laughs> teenager that was in there every Saturday, yeah. just moseying around, spending hours <laughs> going yeah. through. Yeah. Um, and what were you looking for? Like what CDs were you were, were you looking for? Like what would, what would catch your eye? What would be enticing to you? I th I don't I would say um, well I was also at the time doing a lot of I was reading the Rolling Stone a lot because mm -hmm. um, I'd been turned on again with a reinvigorated spirit to the Beatles and the Stones in that era like 1967 you know Summer of Love. Um, they did a special edition on Sgt. Pepper's, um, and I think that would have been, I don't know, I don't know if, why they did that anniversary edition, but that got me into Rolling Stone pretty heavily, so I was always, like, going through Rolling Stone, seeing, like, oh, what their top-rated 
new albums are mm. and some of their greatest albums of all time mm -hmm. lists. So, you know, I was just trying to find mm -hmm. a little bit of both of those as well as just, I would just parse through everything and mm -hmm. whatever looked cool, I mm -hmm. guess. Um, I was always drawn to like uh, more abstract cover art, I think, mm. or, or bands that just had a really strange without being too over the top look, mm. I, I would say, like kind of thinking back. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you know, kind of no rhyme or reason. They also had a really cool listening station mm. where they'd have like top six albums of the mm -hmm. week or whatever. You throw on some headphones, yeah. you just press a button. Yeah. Um, That's how I found, and not far from there, um, the Barnes and Noble on um, the corner of University and Mill. There yeah. was a big Barnes and Noble there, and this was probably nineteen or twenty years ago. I walk in, and uh, same thing, just kind of browsing, and they had the listening station, and I come across a record by Jamie Cullum called Twenty um, Something, mm. and I think I had heard of him because he did a like a jazz version of Frontin' by Pharrell. And so I think I was hip to him and I was like, oh, it's his record, you know, and I, you know, you can see the, the, the song list and, and it was like, um, there was a Hendrix tune on there. Nice. There was a Radiohead tune on there. Yeah. There was a Jeff Buckley tune on there. I was like, wait, I got to listen to this. So put the, put the cans on and I was like, I need this record. This is exactly what I'm trying to do. Like reimagine these, these tunes, I'm not in a jazz way, but in a broken down acoustic way, but it was you know, that, I know I think Stinkweed still has listening stations and that sort of thing, but it really was like one of those outlets to discover new music. You got to go there, you got to put the cans on, find a record that you don't know or maybe you've heard of. Yeah. You know, but it was a, it, that was a fun exploratory moment, you know, when you, when you get to discover something new and you get the record, you take it home, and you, you know. Anyway. What do you think is like kind of the, the modern version of that? Fuck if I know, man. I don't know. I mean, because what a Spotify, a Spotify, <laughs> Spotify playlists, you know, like, but everybody does one of those, you know, it's like, I mean, it's, but sponsored by Spotify, like it's the chill mix Spotify or what's the dance thing. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, it's like too much. I, you know, it's six records is one thing. A gajillion songs is another thing. Mm -hmm. How do you focus, you know, your attention on one thing? Well, and I just, I try to put myself in the mindset of somebody, you know, a kid who's coming up really interested in music right now, just like how, when we were that age and we had to buy, you know, from the used collection, we only had 10 bucks and we could maybe get three CDs and it's like, we had to physically go out, mm -hmm. you, you invest time energy mm -hmm. and emotion behind this entire experience to obtain this music so your your relationship with it right off the bat is already mm -hmm. of like a heightened nature it's more personal yeah <clears throat> whereas like this the playlist is just so easy it's there yeah. for you 24 7 whenever you want and i guess maybe it just comes down to the source that you you start to trust it's like okay week after week they're putting out an incredible playlist of 10 to 20 songs and mm -hmm. you know i i trust this source but um no even I, I i think you're right it's tough i don't i mean i don't know i don't know how kids discover music these days well, where, i mean where are you gonna go yeah. i mean i suppose you could go to stinkweeds and create a relationship but that takes time and energy and whatever like you got me man that's like the gajillion dollar question yeah as soon as we figure that out we'll know how to market to that yeah <laughs>
Like however, however it's happening, I want to know. Yeah, you know. If you got the answer out there, please call in. The number is nine 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 nine. It's a great number. I know. Well, it's easy to remember. Yeah. I want to tell you about a podcast. It's called The Age-Old Question. A podcast for music fans. Have you ever found yourself in a conversation with a friend about one of music's unanswerable questions? What's the greatest decade in music? What's the best use of a song in a movie? Who's the greatest singer of all time? Join me, Rich Price, and my co-host, Clint Bierman, as we have fun answering another age-old question. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, y'all? My name is Tanner Sigfort, owner of Groove Booking, and I have a podcast called Great Exposure. First of all, thanks for listening to So the Story Goes. Brian is a great guy, a friend, and this is a fantastic and very well done podcast. The title of my podcast, Great Exposure, is a play on the term us musicians have always heard when being lowballed for a gig, followed by, but this gig is great exposure. I am a professional musician and booking agent, and through the years I've met so many amazing entertainers. I created this podcast to have open format conversations with the artists and DJs I have the pleasure of working with. Being that my guests are always artists of some sort, we typically talk about music and the industry. However, sometimes we get on long, drawn-out conversations about very random topics, and that's where I really get to see their personalities shine and I get to know them on a deeper level than just their music careers. And that is my favorite part of the show. I appreciate Brian featuring this ad on his podcast, and I really hope you enjoy Great Exposure. Available on Spreaker, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Now, back to So the Story Goes. Okay, so, so uh, gosh, 2011, Tempe, you're, you're mucking it up in hoodlums, mm-hmm. and going to ASU for marketing and uh I'm assuming you graduate with high marks and uh and uh yeah not too bad man I uh, I transitioned into entrepreneurship which is pretty similar to marketing up until the last year really the capstones were different but it was more all-encompassing and halfway through college so I'll kind of rewind and go back to hoodlums um when I played my first little acoustic set of 30 minutes or whatever, um, a friend of mine who, you know, I jammed with before maybe, just kind of briefly um, in high school, uh, his name's Lucas Roth, he comes out, we start talking, we're like, let's, let's really jam sometime, dude. I've been writing some songs of my own. We, um, we start writing that whole summer and we kind of put together a full, you know, 40 minute set or so. And as I'm going into ASU, I'm like looking out for all these different open mics and things on campus that we can perform our songs for. Um, and we're like, okay, let's do this. Like, let's form a band. And so I formed my first band, which at the time was called Tides, when we brought in Lucas's friend, um, childhood friend, Rocky Yanez. And we were a trio initially. And then eventually that became Sunset Voodoo, which was kind of my first like major project that lasted for five or six years. Mm. Um, and so once that started developing more as a band, you know, my sophomore, junior year, and I was getting all these gigs and I was starting to meet more people and I was interning places, um, like different record labels and radio stations. I started mm. to realize, oh shit, like I could, you know, make it as a musician. This isn't something like either all or absolutely nothing. Right. You know? <clears throat> exactly. So halfway through I started thinking okay how can I 
I'm not going to jump ship and like go to music school now. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I didn't really have an interest in doing that. I took some music classes, really enjoyed it and started learning the theory on my own. And I was like, I don't want to go like full on musician, start over from scratch. I'm already going down this road. I'm going to finish it. So that's when I was like, okay, let's, let's figure out how to make my music a, its own business and, and kind of run it myself. And so mm. went the entrepreneurship route and just kind of soaked up as much as I could on that. And mm-hmm. things. So now we're talking like 2015, 16, you graduate yep. and you have, you've been playing out, you have a band and I'm assuming, you know, you're kind of doing it part-time. Maybe you have a part-time job just to get yep. make some bread and when does it, and, and maybe what were some of those early shows and, and some of those early tunes that you remember maybe cover or original from that period? Uh, yeah. So graduate and right at graduation, we put out our second EP um, and like some pretty good local stuff started happening for us. Um, this is Sunset Voodoo. Sunset Voodoo. Yeah. Um, do you have any recordings of, of that project? Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you have one that you could share with me? Totally. Okay. Yeah. Um, we actually have a, a full album and we haven't really talked about it a ton up until recently. Um, that has yet to be released. So hmm. hopefully that's on so, the horizon. So too. that band is still happening. No. Oh. Um, it's, it's definitely, you know, initially it was like, okay, we're going on a hiatus, but it was kind of, you know, we've mm-hmm. been done for really since about 2018, 2019. Oh, so it's still recent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Not like, yeah. It, it, crazy Ten long ago. ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the the band, I mean, at that time, um, we were starting to just like get a lot of momentum. Um, locally, we were going on some tours. and Headlining tours? No, no. We were like booking. Our tour experience was like figuring out places to play essentially covers at that we would end ah. up going and playing originals at. Oh, nice. The so old we probably, switcheroo. Yeah, the old switcheroo. <laughs> Classic game of so, switcheroo. Yeah, yeah, we probably pissed off a lot of people in the process. <laughs> you know, we treat it like our show and shit, you right, know? Right, right. But people enjoyed it, and we, we always brought some good energy, So, and we always brought people out, too. We always tried to go places where we knew people, so mm-hmm. it was at least like people were showing up. and mm-hmm. And where were you going at that point? Uh, we started going to Rocky Point a lot. Um, we were going to California. Um, I think we may have gone to New Mexico. No, that was with a different band. I think we pretty much only went to California and Rocky Point. So yeah. it was like oh, very, cool. yeah. And you get touring a taste around of it. Arizona. Yeah, you know? sure. Yeah, getting a small taste of it. And um, the other band that I was thinking of was called Something Like Seduction. And they toured all over the place and they would do the same thing, but they would also book build shows and, um, as and a, that's a band that you were in as well or yeah, kind of as a fill in mm-hmm. essentially. I, I did record, um, one of their records with them, but yeah, they're, they used to be a four piece, their guitarist, um, kind of backed out. And so they, they always had to bring in a different guitarist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got really close with those guys and went on a tour with them. Nice. So yeah. Well, can you, can you pick one Sunset Voodoo song that we can li- we take a quick break, take yeah. a listen, and then we can talk about it? Oh, yeah, totally. All right. 
If you wanna get under my skin, best know just what I'm thinking. I got no time for alibis. These subtle hints, you're winking. Your eyes make me leave reality. So on the break, we listened to Sweet Release. Yep. And this was uh, 2016. Yes. I think that's yeah. what I said. Um, and we were just about to rap about, um, well, it sounds great. And so I asked, well, where was it recorded? And you were just saying it was, what's his name? Douglas? Curtis Douglas. Curtis Douglas. Yeah. Um, so he ran a studio called Red Mountain, um, but it was kind of under the radar. It wasn't, mm -hmm. um, like I said, it wasn't really very meshed into the local scene or culture per se, but uh, we were playing with the band Catastro at the time. I don't know yeah. if you heard of it. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Um, and we were doing a lot of stuff at the Marquee with them and some of the Casa Block parties they do on Mill. Uh, it was a ton of fun. But they had just recorded one of their albums with Curtis. So okay. I had asked, you uh -huh. know, thought it sounded great. And we did that song with him and it got such good response. We're like, okay, let's do a few more singles. And then we recorded the unreleased to this day uh -huh. album with him. So. I met um, Ryan, the bass player. Of Catastro. Oh yeah, we did a, um, we did a. It wasn't not cover the crescent, but it was the lottery, mm -hmm. the rock lottery, and we, we were in a band together. Oh my god. Anyway, Ryan's a sweetheart. Yeah, and it really breaks my heart what happened um, oh, to that band, and and uh, yeah. I was just looking at a post of theirs the other day, and um, they were backing up. You know, Mouse Powell. Yeah, I saw <clears> that. And it just, it kind of like blew my mind seeing those three behind Mouse, which he's always been a part of their family and yeah. community. And, but just imagining, you know, that not being Andy anymore right. and how, how that must feel for them to right. like, just in an instant. Right. Um, yeah. That one still trips me out to this day, man. Yeah. And, and Ryan does a podcast and, and, uh, anyway, I, 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 my heart breaks uh, for them and, and what they've had to overcome just to keep the dream alive, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Huge props to their, their ability to keep going, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about Sweet Release. Um, we were talking briefly on the patio about it, and, and I was like, I hear some killers. I hear some Franz Ferdinand. I mean, but what was inspiring to you? Like, And maybe was there a sound that you were going for? Or, you know, you also said, oh, this is like an in-sync harmony moment. Like, you're trying to to put all these influences together. And, and how would you describe that music? Yeah. Well, that was actually kind of one of the things that I think always, uh, not to like go into a, a, a negative viewpoint on it, but that kind of always irked the band members about 
each other was like we all wanted we were all very musically opinionated mm. and we all kind of wanted to create music of a certain style and i would say the one artist that we that overlapped us all was the red hot chili peppers uh -huh. we could always agree if it was like <laughs> if we ever got stuck on something is almost yeah. subconsciously okay what would the fucking chili peppers do right, let's right. just do that That's so we funny. don't kill each other <laughs> <laughs> but like half the band would hate the fact that you said we sounded like Franz Ferdinand, uh -huh. even though we covered, you know, the yeah. Take Me Out song. Yeah. Um, and I thought we did it really well. We'd always mesh it in with one of our other songs. Uh -huh. um, and then That's the funny. other half would kind of be uh, more of like experimental, um, progressive, weird, artistic rock, uh -huh. you know, like um, Incubus and... Um, I don't know Mars Volta or something okay. like that. Yeah, uh, RX Bandits. I really liked RX Bandits. I thought we kind of had some similarities to them. Uh, I don't know that band. They're they never got big. They they're they was it a, a local band? No, they're from oh. I think San Diego. Okay. Um, but they're they have a very strong cult following in sort of like they brought together reggae, hard rock, punk, and um almost like a, a psychedelic 311 type sound whoa so yeah that's really cool man <laughs> yeah i got super into them but a lot of my guitar stuff and kind of the energy i'd put into my songs i think at the time was coming from like arctic monkeys franz ferdinand rx bandits a little bit um and you know kind of the more introspective side of my just it's part of my personality is my overthinking and wanting things to be grandiose and hmm. um you know deeper and it, it has an extra purpose and this and that <laughs> was like radiohead's one of my favorite bands ever so well it's funny that you mentioned that because i think when i walked into the thirsty camel a couple of weeks ago or maybe it was a month ago at this point uh, you covered a, a Radiohead tune, and I was impressed because not only you know were you doing the rhythm stuff, but you nail you were nailing the that very distinct lead line. And I forget which Radiohead tune it was. It's probably just yes, yeah. I've been yeah. Doing, I've been doing that one lately. Well, that's one of my favorites, man. Yeah, man, that album, The Bends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. So sweet release, Sunset Voodoo, and and that's 2016, and and that band is not really so much of a thing anymore. But you have this unreleased record that you could potentially share with the world, which is yeah. exciting. Yeah, um, I don't I don't know when or how or how, right. but I I have faith in it. It, it needs to be heard. Not and who else was in that band? Lucas Roth, Rocky Anos, and Lucas's brother Jared. Okay. That's kind of how, like, the really the order of the inception of the band was. Gotcha. Started writing songs with Lucas. Um, 
and then yeah rocky came in we were that trio for a little while and we're like well this is kind of evolving beyond this sound of Mm -hmm. tides it was almost like a surf rock type thing at first Mm -hmm. you do have good band names i will give you that yeah you know some some especially early in in people's careers like the band names can be a little cringy Uh but i like tides yeah and i think sunset voodoo is cool yeah yeah sunset two for two yeah not too bad and then i went to joey gutos what the hell was that sounds greek to me (laughs) (laughs) what are you like greek cover band (laughs) shout out yeah we play all the uh all the hits the the euro places you know (laughs) (laughs) like one we play for pita yeah oh baklava if you're real good yeah yeah. um all right so what what happens after after sunset voodoo uh so i kind of started playing some acoustic things really low-key like coffee shops again almost kind of going back to the basics Mm -hmm. um because i i had always written songs on my acoustic Mm -hmm. um and i've always had a love for like folk style music and i just kind of felt like some of that softer more personal dynamic was missing from uh the music i'd been doing with sunset voodoo um so i was doing some of those and kind of at the same time things were you know changing with voodoo and um i was meeting a lot of people through doing those gigs and seeing okay there's a lot of people out here doing solo acoustic stuff full time Hmm. and I was real sick of my job um, that I'd had through college. It was a great job, you know, not saying anything bad about, it was like a community clubhouse, um, but it just felt like my, I was just spinning the wheels and nothing was happening. So I was like, I just need to quit this and throw myself off the ledge and try and do this full time and see mm-hmm. if I can do it. And so, yeah. Started, what year was that? That was 2018. Okay. So yeah, I've been doing it about five years full time now. Um, That's exciting. Yeah. And, you know, um, after things started getting better with um, COVID and everything and bands could play again, that was kind of around the time I was getting a little bit tired of doing just solo acoustic all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, I was doing nothing but the band Mm -hmm. for so long. And then I was like, I need a break. I just want to like write songs about just what I want mm-hmm. any without any scrutiny from anybody else or whatever. Um, but then it gets lonely after a while, you know, just doing solo acoustic. Um, and sometimes, you know, you'll have a string of gigs that are like, fuck this gig. And if you don't have anybody there with you to go through <laughs> with it, it's like, what am I doing? It's alone. It can be very lonely. Yeah. And, and you know, it only takes a handful of those gigs. Mm-hmm. When you start to question uh, life choices. Yep. So I kind of was like, all right, I need to start jamming with some people again. And for the last uh, like year and a half, close to two years, I've been like doing more. Um, initially, it was just like, okay, I know this bass player. I know this drummer. Here's a bunch of songs I know. And here's you know a handful of my originals. Because mm-hmm. can you guys kind of figure these out? And we'd have maybe one rehearsal or we wouldn't. And we'd just get up there. I'd book the gig and we'd play. Um, and so I was like, this reinvigorated my spirit. It reinvigorated my love for the guitar too. Cause you know, the acoustic guitar is its own beautiful thing. But, um, once I got up there on the electric again, not Mm. only was I, wow, like my skills have really gone out the window, Mm. 
but I miss the ability to like get gritty and, mm -hmm. you know, dig in a little thrash. Bit. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, I started practicing playing guitar again. That's been great. You don't really strike me as a thrasher, but <laughs> I know, I think I know the feeling of it. It's like when you go from an acoustic guitar, you know, and you're doing these solo gigs to picking up an electric to me, I always, it always feels like when I pick up the electric, it's like, you're trying to tame lightning. Like it's like. Yeah. It's a little out of control. It's like super exhilarating. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's just something so gratifying and powerful about that instrument, mm -hmm. you know, and the ability to go from, you know, the quiet, you know, whatever corner gigs that you got to do to being in a in a in a a project with other people and you get to harness this energy. Yeah. It really is uh super fun yeah man that's a great way of putting it trying to tame lightning yeah it's like you, you you know your parts coming up you kick on the distortion you kick on the fuzz and you kick on that boost and it's like <laughs> just like a fucking explosion yeah. yeah 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 that's awesome um so well it, it's interesting that you say that you know you kind of you, you you made the decision to go full-time in 2018 and you know obviously everyone knows two years later the world shuts down um, but it didn't dampen your spirit. It didn't dampen your drive. It didn't make you question that decision. So how did you, or maybe you did along the way mm. as I did <laughs> yeah. at that point, you know, but as a, as a, a, a newcomer, let's say to being a full-time musician, how did you, how did you stay relevant? How did you stay creative? How did you get through that period of, I literally can't do my job, mm -hmm. right? And what were the things that were inspiring to you? Yeah, man, there's a lot there. Um, I, it was kind of, I was like in denial at first of like mm -hmm. the severity as I think, I mean, none of us had any idea how long it was going to go or anything. Well, and you, and, know? you know, and I remember the early reports were like, you know, it's going to be three months of, yeah. all right, it's going to be six months of, uh. All right, it's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be nine months, but once not okay. It's listen, give it a year, and then we'll you know. And I'm thinking, well, just understanding how this state works and how seasonal it is, I was like, well, if it's March, it's not gonna come back in this state in the summer because it's quiet in the summer yeah. anyway. All right, so that's already six months, and then you know that's assuming everything goes exactly as planned and we can get this shit under control we'll we'll maybe get to fall May, all right so maybe six months and, I'll, and as soon as we get to summer i'm like this shit isn't getting worked out so it's going to be the spring i was always like six months ahead because if it was any earlier i could be convinced i could i could feel happy about it mm. you know i set my expectation i set the bar so low that any any news was good news. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. All right. So yeah, you know, just as a as a full time working musician, understanding how you know fall picks up and then it kind of dips in the you know holiday spirit and then it kind of picks up in the spring and then it's gonna dip again in the summer. Like knowing that rhythm, I was like, ah, we're fucked, man. Yeah. You know, it got real dark. Yeah. You know. Well, I would say. Um one of the things that kept my spirit going was I started a live stream and thank God for mm. my friend, Ryan King, shout out to Ryan King. Um, one of the best humans I know. He, I think I did, you know, a couple of live streams just on my phone, like everybody was doing at mm -hmm. the time. He's like, dude, 
I've got all this experience doing live streams like professionally, like in the AV world and stuff. He'd work for a company that did that. And uh, they would do conferences and stuff like that. It's like, why don't we make a live stream that's better than just doing it with your phone? We do it with full audio and Whoa. like with actual cameras. Um, so we started kind of putting together somewhat of a plan to do that. And he literally ran the stream. There's a program called Team Viewer, I think. Uh where he could run my computer remotely from his apartment. So we, we called the stream uh, Quarantine Stream. And so, <laughs> like so yeah, it went along with, okay, we're still being quarantined, people. Right, you know, right. he, he's a mile away at right. his apartment. He's running no my computer. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but there was so much like that I learned about the audio and visual, like learn mm-hmm. how to run a mixer and tying in HDMI cables. And it was, mm-hmm. it, it, the stream was horrible at first. Like inevitably every episode it would like, start screeching or, you know, like just like skipping frames yeah, or yeah. just totally freeze or whatever. But we did it weekly and it was every Wednesday, I believe. And, um, you know, my girlfriend had just moved in at the time and she would do a, like a cocktail segment halfway through every time. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So, um, it was just like a ton of fun and I'd, I'd look forward to it every fucking week and I would plan for it, yeah. you know? And I would, I'd, um, interact with people on social media and be like, Hey, what songs do you want to hear this coming week? Yeah, yeah, you know, different yeah. contests, stuff yeah. like that. So, Oh man, that was such a blessing, man. We, <laughs> I basically did the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I did it on my iPhone, you know, and I started kind of right when the, right when the shit hit the fan, you know, I, I bought a little, um, extension mic, you know, I had uh, for, for the phone And I set up, you know, actually I was right here at the start and I had a little whiteboard. I mean, it was super chintzy, right? Yeah. And I did it Monday through Friday at, I think, 5 p.m. Every day? Monday through Friday. Wow. And again, I looked forward to it. It, it, it helped me know what day it was. You know what I'm saying? Like it had a, it had a, it had value just beyond playing. Obviously that was helpful. It kept me sharp and kept my voice right and all that stuff. But, um, and then. My buddy Joey, shout out to Joey, did did a cocktail based on a song that I would play. Yeah. And he, I mean, he wasn't here. He was in Oregon at the time. And his thing was isolation libations. And <laughs> so, <laughs> so awesome. I would do the thing, the happy half hour from like 5 to 5.30. And then he would do his live stream of a cocktail. And, and I think he did it over a hundred episodes. I did it a hundred episodes and I'm like, fuck this, I'm done. So it lasted, you know, from whatever, March of 2020 until I think August. And, um, but yeah, super fun until it wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was a needed thing. I needed it Mm -hmm. and it, and it kept me sane on some level Yeah, and it kept me engaged in it. And, um, but anyway, it's funny that your girlfriend was doing a cocktail yeah, segment man. because we had, yeah, Joey and I, we, and we're homies, like we're dear friends. And, and, uh, but anyway, it was funny that, you, you know, you had to have a little booze in there yeah, too. <laughs> yeah. Initially it was like just to get the nerves off, you know, right, right. <laughs> because it felt yeah. so weird. You remember those first streams where it's like silence, Yeah. but I have to pretend like I'm potentially right. playing for the world, right. you know, like yeah. how do I act? Do I just yeah. pretend like I'm just literally in my living room as I am or should I be putting on a performance it was right. like a mind fuck totally yeah. now are you familiar like have you done many house concerts in your career where you go 
and you you know you're you're set up and there's a little listening room and let's say 20 people and yeah and basically you get to chat about songs and you chat about your life and this is what this is and this is how i came up with this did that is that a part of your education of of being a musician yeah yeah early um tides days i guess and a little bit in voodoo we um definitely did some house shows there's a club at asu called um tough the underground foundation mm. and they would put on house shows every week and would bring in uh well just members of the club everybody would contribute in some way whether it was um bringing people out getting the word out making the flyer put, making projections making the the set the mm. the house look cool like everybody was kind of had to add their own artistic collaborative thing um, so it was really cool um, in that way. So we did a number of those, and those were always a blast. Like I mean, like you said, just being able to talk about songs—that's yeah. really nice. There's not many environments where you can just kind of where you don't have to worry so much about getting to the next song mm -hmm. and like, oh shit, like looking at the time. Right. <laughs> so, right. Well, I I just I mean I bring that up just because I was comfortable with that aspect of my songs, mm -hmm. at least my songs, you know. And so having that, having that knowledge and experience helped me in those early days because I'm like, all right, just think of it as a house concert. Yeah. Now, granted, you're singing into your phone, which is whatever, five feet away. And eventually, you know, as you say, like at first it was pretty janky. It was pretty low budget. And then it evolved, you know, over time and you get better sound and you get better lighting and you get, and now I'm putting my laptop here so I can see the Facebook live feed and I can comment in real time. And like yeah. now we're getting the technology to catch up with what we're trying to do. And, but I always try to envision it as just think of it as a house concert and your phone is the listening room. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And yeah. that, that was helpful to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would probably agree with that. I tried to, I, we actually did at one point, um, when things kind of started loosening up a little bit, we had a few people over, um, mm -hmm. to sit like across the room, you mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. and I don't know how we in, involved that, but yeah, it was kind of helped to think of it always kind of that way. Just a small little group. Right. Right. Chilling. But it is funny too, that, that we were, you know, you had to be conscious of the isolating and, and to not congregate. And at some point I'm just like, fuck it, man. I can't be in a vacuum yeah. anymore. I yeah. just can't. And if it means I get COVID, well, fucking let's go. Absolutely, man. I mean, there was like a black market for performances that started yeah. opening up. Where, oh, interesting. Yeah, like people would... I, I joined this um, this app called Thumbtack even before COVID. Um, and it's basically like... Have you ever heard of it? I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like a Craigslist for services, basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. So you could hire a plumber on there. You could hire a wedding... Yeah. What do you call the guy? Wedding planner or, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But you got to hire musicians as well. And so I started getting messages um, there from like these, you know, rich people in Paradise Valley like, and Deep Gilbert. Just, just come over. And they, they'd they have these parties. That's and, crazy. Yeah, I didn't know about that. Just, I mean, you assume it happens, but. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't right away, you know, uh -huh. but, but it was after it had been like enough time where I was like, okay, this is. This is kind of ridiculous. That's crazy. And, and I, I mean, I wasn't really getting much help from, um, I had to start delivering flowers and doing these side jobs and shit. Yeah. And I wasn't getting much help for the government. So yeah. it's like, all right, well, if you're going to keep my industry shut down, I literally can't do my job. Right. 
and you're not going to give me any assistance. So you didn't do the PUA or anything like that? Because I had an LLC, I did get some money, but uh, like very little yeah. in the grand scheme of things. And it, and it stopped. And I wasn't able to apply for like the, uh, the was it the PPP? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I technically hadn't been paying myself a salary. Uh -huh. I was just like taking in money and kind right. of doing it a little janky. Right. Um, so I got denied for that. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to kind of do my thing and yeah. see what happens. Yeah. And, it, and it was totally fine, man. You know, yeah. I, I felt like I was being safe about it. If I was around a bunch of people, I wouldn't go and hang out with friends or family and mm -hmm. make sure everything was chill. Yeah. But, I mean, you got to, sure. You got to do, first of all, you have to do, you have to do to keep the lights on. And then like, let's be realistic. You know, if it's an outdoor party. Yeah. I don't have to, I don't have to socialize with them. I can go set up in the corner and provide a service that is safe and yada, yada, yada. But man, that's interesting that there was like the, the black market partiers Dude. that were like, eh, come over to the crib where yeah. you live, Paradise Valley. Okay. That's going to be uh $2,500. Yeah, exactly. What's your zip code? Yeah. You're getting the full price. Yeah. There's no, uh, pandemic discount yeah. for you. <laughs> So tell me, um, so I, today I listened to some of the, your more recent singles and watched some of your videos and, and saw that some of your tunes um, were remixed, which I think is super cool. And I saw, I think it must have been at the Valley Bar, um, and I forget the name of the tune, but tell me about the kind of latest batch of songs, because that, that feels more like pop slash hip hop slash party music, dance music. Yeah, the remix definitely is. Yeah. Um, so I put out my first five collection of five singles that kind of just it felt like an EP to me. So I put it out as an EP after I released each one individually mm -hmm. as a single. Um, put out the EP back in April, and of this year. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But I started right um, as you know COVID hit. I think it was April. It was Earth Day of. 2020 so i think it was like april 24th or something um and that first one was called everything that i need and i said okay i've always had a strong connection and uh whenever i feel uninspired i book myself like a, a road trip or just get out of town go camping whatever reconnect with nature and that always reinvigorates me hmm. um so i wrote that song for a documentary about the arizona trail that my mm. friend was making. He's a big trail runner and outdoorsman. Um, and so it's kind of like my ode to Arizona, like A to Z, everything that I need. Mm. Um, and said that for every thousand streams, that song, God, I would plant a tree to give back to the source of the inspiration. That's cool. So that was kind of my guiding star along the way, even though not all the songs are kind of in that same vein. Like Bad News is just kind of, a, that was a totally a pandemic quarantine mm -hmm. song. Um, mm. Giving in's a drinking song. Where she at's kind of about. That's um, the tune I listened to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you listen to the original one or yes. just the remix? Yes. Okay, the original ones. Uh, I, I like literally from everybody. When I asked them, like, who's it remind you of? They're like Jason Mraz. Uh, uh, <laughs> like, dude, yeah. I don't, that's cool. But I, yeah. I don't even listen to Jason Mraz. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I never really have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've liked his hits, you know. Right. Uh, who doesn't like? Uh, the remedy you know right, like sure. back in the day yeah um no i love when they're like oh man you 
you really remind me of this or you sound like this. I'm like, A, I, I don't know who that is. Yeah. I've never heard that person in my life. But cool. If yeah. That's, if that's how you connect with it or that's how you think it's cool or not cool, like, great. <laughs> you know? It's, it's kind of good to know that your stuff at least jogs some... Mm -hmm. Cause that, that means it's connecting with people on an emotional level and it's taking them back to a, a time where they, you know, were listening to this great artist that they mm -hmm. liked. Like, mm -hmm. fuck yeah. And I think for better or for worse, it, 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 in their mind, it adds value, right? Because it's like, oh, it, it's like that. And yeah. Jason Mraz is a huge star. So maybe he is, or you know what I'm saying? Like it, there's a, true. they get to connect with it on a bigger level and think, oh, maybe this is the next thing or yeah. whatever, you know? Yeah. But yeah, and then uh, Santa Snow was the final one. That was also a little bit more of like a folky meets funk sort of thing. Let's listen to Sand to Snow. diverse as possible just so I'd, I don't know I'd, I want to be able to with a solo project kind of feel free to do what the hell I want to do mm -hmm. um, and are you recording at your house like you have your own kind of studio home studio together so you can cut all this stuff yeah I'm not the best engineer in the world um, so I typically demo my stuff out try to get it as clean as possible but then take it to for that project it was uh um, his name's Anthony Brandt and he had access, well, he had a home studio, but he also had access to a really nicer, bigger studio that we would either totally re-record everything or we would just build off of mine. Mm -hmm. Be like, okay, these elements actually sound pretty good. Can stay. Just, yeah. yeah. And then just go from there. For the next group of songs, I kind of want to start from scratch, to be honest. Mm. Um, because now I've, I've just been writing a lot and I don't, I don't really want to put the time into the production as much on each one because I'd rather keep writing. 
Mm. Like I've just really been interested in, in songwriting more than mm. anything. Even though I love doing the production, I just feel like I've been on a, a good streak for a while. Mm -hmm. Just honing my my writing and um, I th I'd like to raise enough money to just get into a real nice studio, start from scratch. And now that I have the band, um, I think that's going to expedite and just bring more outside influence outside of my own mm -hmm. you know, crazy mind locked in my bedroom. <laughs> and, and, and where are you guys playing? Um, so we still play, you know, some of the, the gigs that might, that I might be able to do solo acoustic on a mm -hmm. Wednesday or Tuesday night, but we're doing those on a Friday, Saturday. Got you. Um, so there's more people there and, mm -hmm. um, but you know, besides Valley Bar, um, we did like the ostrich fest the past couple of years. Um, we've just been trying, I've been trying to get us on bigger, bigger stages, man. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, I feel I love it all, but, um, man, I, I love being on a big stage. Mm -hmm. I never, it's never felt like something that's, um, I don't know. Once, once I'm up there and there's like a lot of people in a crowd, it's almost like it's so overwhelming, like any nerves or whatever kind of go out the window and it's just mm. like, let's fucking ride this roller coaster, you know? <laughs> and so I, th that's when I, that's when the thrashing comes out sometimes, you know, and <laughs> that's when you're unable to tame the lightning. <laughs> yeah. 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 So what's on the horizon? You said that there's another batch of tunes and, and some recording, it sounds like, and yeah. And continuing to, uh, I mean, you know, you're, you're a busy, I, I see you on social media, busy working and, and that's gotta feel good to kind of get back into that groove um, and writing original material mm -hmm. sounds like that's a lot of fun and, and still fulfilling and still coming and, and what's, what's kind of the next hurdle? What's the next bar you want to jump over? I think I need to kind of just sit down and really map things out again. Mm -hmm. Um, I got a lot of songs that are finished, some that are kind of in the works of being recorded and a whole shitload of voice memos. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I don't really have an exact project in mind. Um, I would like to, I would say buy, well, one thing I really want to do is get out to South by Southwest. Um, I've always wanted to do that. And mm -hmm. I, I just feel like that just feels right this, this time around. Um, but I would say like within the next year, have a, a full album completed, ready to go, have a tour, ready to go mm. um it's just really the steps to get there mm -hmm. but i also have a a documentary that well it's not really a documentary it's more of like a i don't know some 1960s experimental film meets documentary uh thing i did with a couple of friends in 2020 and we recorded a bunch of music up in the woods um, at a campsite called edge of the world and we called the film end of the world and we did a small showing um, about a year and a half ago, we rented out a room and just invited friends, family. Um, and it just, it has like a timelessness to it that we were like, let's just kind of sit back on this for a second, figure out how to release this mm -hmm. really well. So that's also something I'd really like to get out. Um, so, you know, it's just kind of really figuring out what the timeline of things mm -hmm. is. Cause I, part of me just wants to be like, let's just 
go with the flow and everything that I'm writing at right now is record and go with that. But I have all this stuff I've been mm-hmm. sitting on. That's great too, that I want to get out. So I don't know. I'd, I'd love to get caught up with all my mm-hmm. releases, get everything out and finally be in a spot where, you know, you hear of your favorite artists where they're able to write an album, get it recorded kind of almost right then and there and get it out within five to six months and go on a tour and have it be more of like a six month thing versus me where, you know, I've been hanging on to stuff for years now waiting mm-hmm. to release it at the perfect time, quote unquote. Right. Um, perfect time is right now. Yeah. You know I mean, you know, I mean, the reality is like, and, and, and maybe this isn't for you, but, but I'm, I'm, you know, like nobody cares beyond me. Right. Mm-hmm. And if I think it's too precious, no one else cares. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just get it out. Yeah. Get it out. Get it out and move on to the next thing. Finish it. Move on. Finish it. Move on. Like, it can't, as soon as it's, again, like, as soon as it's too precious, it's uh, like, come on, man. Yeah. And it just kind of builds weight. It's like right. a dark cloud that's slowly yeah. accumulating over top of your head. Right. And it, it, I tell you, man, there is this great sense of release, uh, you know, terrible pun, but it it, it is. It is. You got to purge that shit. Yeah. And and get on to the next thing and and like you say like clear it all clear it all away. Move on, move on. Keep moving. You know, keep releasing. I mean, especially now I feel like content content there's so much content and you're going to get steamrolled if you don't try to be a part of it. You know what I'm you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's no perfect there's no perfect way to do it. There's no right answer. You know, there is no rule book anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, t- Timmy could open his laptop and put something on Spotify in the same day. That's who you're competing against. Yeah. You have to cut through all that, put out a great product, believe in it, passionate, get behind it, and and then move on. You know, I don't know. Yeah, and it's easier know. to be passionate about it when you're putting it out if it's still relevant in your mind and fresh. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that's part it's of the real. issue. It's, it's now. Like, yeah. yeah. Once it's too old, it's not only built up in your mind, like, oh, this is a precious thing, but it's also like, I also don't feel the same way mm-hmm. I did back then. So how am right. I going to sell this, right. you know, in terms of telling the story and selling it to my listener and mm-hmm. creating an experience around it if it's an old, an old right. story? Right. So. Well, how can people uh, follow you and and be a part of some upcoming shows? Where where should people go? Well, I'd like to say go to my website. Um, you you can. Can I? Is am there, I allowed? Is, but is there a website? <laughs> there is a website. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to get better with it because really, uh, you know, obviously you can follow me Instagram, Facebook, Joey TikTok, Butos Music. Yes, um, that'd probably be the best way to find me. Okay. Um, and, but, you know, you can't ever always reach everybody through those. Right. So if you are one to look at emails and, you know, going back to the, our, the beginning of our conversation, feel like you are going to a specific place like a record store and absorbing an experience that you can have a personalized touch with, um, my email list is kind of where I create those experiences for people. So that's, you know, you can find that on my website, joeygutos.com. Um, but yeah, you'll find me on social media. I'll be posting and, uh, streaming everywhere worldwide, 24 <laughs> seven, baby. 
<laughs> well, I appreciate your time. It was it was nice to to finally have a proper chat with you and yeah, hear man. hear about your background and hear what's new and exciting. And I wish you the best. It's not a it's not an easy industry. Although I gotta say, I love being a musician in this town because there is an opportunity for work, and there's an incredible pool of musicians who are hungry for work. You know and yeah. and. So we get the best, we get the benefit of there's plenty of opportunity to work and there are great players who want to work, mm. you know? So anyway, I, I see you out there grinding, man. And, and I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm proud of you and, and keep up the good work. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And I, I've been a fan of your music for a long time. So I was honored Thanks, when man. you said you wanted me to be on the podcast and, uh, I feel like I, you know, did so much talking about myself. I'm going to have to have a podcast with you on it, or we can just grab a beer sometime. Let's just but, do that. Yeah. <laughs> Pleasure. Appreciate you. Cheers. Cheers, man. Enjoy, Thanks again. Uh, enjoy your day and, and your gig this evening, and, and we'll be in touch. Sounds good, bro. Appreciate it.